0: Amen. So this morning we are once again in a couple's counseling seat, but not with your wife or your husband. We are being counseled in how to love God again. How to love Him the way that He wants to be loved. You will know that those of you who have been in a relationship, the love means nothing if it's not your definition of how you want to be loved. If somebody loves you according to the way they want to, but it's not the way you want to, that love means absolutely nothing. Even if they have good intentions and good motives, if it's not according to what you want to see on your radar, it doesn't sustain you, doesn't fulfill you. So the same with God. So this series that we are busy with, we are just beginning to get to know once again how to love our daddy. We also know that we are in a love relationship with his son. We are... Referred to as the bride of Christ. We are His bride. And He is the bridegroom. And there are certain expectations that Christ has of us. So this morning we are going to be starting on a new series titled Expressions of Love. And for those of you who study the Word of God, you will know that, or maybe you don't know, that you have an English Bible in front of you, but the original text is Greek and Hebrew. If you look at the English is a it's a widely used language but it's very simplistic. It's a language that is very descriptive. Now when you look at the Greek words there sometimes there's one for one English word there might be five or six different definitions or meanings in a Greek language. So we say we see the word love. And by the way love appears 311 times in the King James Bible. But more interestingly, in the New Testament, there's 180 variations of the word love. So in other words, when it says love, it's meaning this type of love. Or in the New Testament, when it says love, it's meaning that type. it's not the same type of love that it speaks about when we read love. And this is the issue that we have. We're trying to interpret and trying to delve into What is God's definition? Lord, what do you mean by love? What is love? But we don't understand because this is translated right into English and English just as love. But you will see that within Greek, in the Greek and Hebrew language, especially Greek, there's a lot of variations of what it means. So we're going to get into that. Love is said to be a universal language. But before... I start, let me just pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I pray, Lord, that each and every one is here will receive a word in season from you, Father God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that those who are here will hear beyond the words spoken over this mic, but they will hear your still small voice as you're busy wooing them back to you, Lord, as you're busy drawing them back to you in this love relationship, Father God. Draw each and every one of us this morning closer And closer to you. Let us no longer settle for where we are. For the level of love that we have for you. But let us go deeper and deeper and deeper. Until we can no longer. So we thank you Father God. In Jesus name. Amen. So love is said to be a universal language. Whereby words are optional. Did you know that? In the language of love. Words is optional. Optional. It's not an imperative to use words to express your love. But this is the problem that we have in today's society is that we've watered love down just to what I say. The way I say things, that's how you know I love you. If I say I love you, then I love you. But according to the Bible, it's what you do. What you do that shows me, oh, you actually do love me it's what you do that validates what comes out of your mouth the bible refers to this harsh term in terms of lip service the lord says there's people they're giving me lip service so what god is saying they saying so much things to me maybe in that time they were singing hymns and singing songs but they don't mean a single word they have no idea what they're saying let that not be us in this generation saying all sorts of things raising your hands singing But we have no idea that we are not loving out what we are actually singing or saying. With every expression of love comes a specific intent, motive and character. With every expression and we are going to get into those expressions. Now we often misinterpret the intent of the expression of the love of others. When we are in relationship, often... What you thought was love, or you thought this person is so in love with me, but their love is a different version. Sometimes you, you figure out, oh, this person just wants, they said they love me, but this is actually what they wanted. But I interpreted it as, no, that guy is head over heels for me, or that girl is head over heels for me, only to find out later, it wasn't so. I thought it was that type of love, but it wasn't. Now we do the same thing with God. We think we are Okay. We think that we love him, but it's different. God is expecting it year, but we're over here. So we often place ourselves in danger or positions of hurt due to our misdiagnosis of love that lies before us. Anybody had a broken heart yet? I know you don't want to lift up your hands because you're going to feel vulnerable and, you know, yeah. But all of us have gone through it at some point in time. Were you trusted because somebody said the word, and we, most of the time I believe it's because they said the word, I love you. Especially when you, when you are younger. When somebody says something in your naivety, you believe them right there. Oh, I love you. Oh, God loves me. She, she, she loves me. This must be the one. Brother Denver, this must be the one. But your first person, first person ever. Must be the one. And we get ourselves, we take our hearts and we, like they say, you wear your heart on your sleeve. We completely open ourselves up because of what this person has said, not knowing that it's not real, as, as far from the truth as could be, but we fully give ourselves over. And these are some of the mistakes we make in our natural relationships. So the four types of love where the Greeks breaks it down. So when we see the word love in the Bible, it's either one of these four translations. There are others, but these are the main ones that appears in the Bible. It's Eros love, Agape love, Phileo love, and storge love. Now Agape is the unconditional, Phileo is the friendship, Storge is the family love. Today we're going to get into Eros. And you might be wondering when we get into eros, why not? Why didn't you start with friendship, Pastor? Because you know you, you start from friendship, then from friendship you go to you know another level of deeper intimacy and eventually you end at agape. The reason why I'm starting with eros is because eros is the erotic love. Eros is the world's definition the only definition when when the world somebody who's not saved an unbeliever when they think of love the only thing they think of is physical contact that is the erotic side of love it's a component of love but it's not in isolation that's not the only thing that is why the world is in so much trouble with divorce rates so high is because they just have the one definition and they walk with the assumption That erotic love is going to supply everything. But they have a very rude awakening. After you've given erotic love, the partner doesn't give back what they're supposed to give. And you wonder, why is this not working? Because it cannot survive just for that. That's not the way God designed love. Love has, like this particular thing is standing, there's four legs here. That is how love is designed. It can't function on one leg. It needs the stability of all the other types of love. So eros love. Some of you may blush when we speak about and delve into this topic. It's fine. It's okay. But it's a part of your relationship with God. Do you know that? That intimate love is a part of your relationship with God. As a married couple, intimacy is a part of your relationship. That's what God expects. That's his design. You didn't go and discover it, the two of you together. It's God's design. So in John 21 verse 15, and this is an example. I'll give you one example to whet your appetite, to prove to you that you need to know which version of love you are speaking about. And the dangers of when you don't know. In John 21 verse 15, very popular. Here we have Peter who's just denied Christ and now peter's coming they having their little uh bra on the beach and jesus takes peter one side and he starts walking with him and he says when they had finished breakfast jesus said to simon peter simon son of john do you love me more than these he said to him yes lord you know that i love you he said feed my lambs now look at the english word there you just read love but this is actually what it means Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape love me? Do you agape me? Do you have unconditional love for me? Look at Peter's response. Peter says, Yes, Lord, you know that I forlay you. Friendship. Do you see now why Jesus had to repeat the same question three times? Because he's saying, Peter, do you agape? Do you have unconditional? And he's saying, Yes, Lord, I have friendship, love. No, 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 no. Peter, do you have unconditional? Yes, Lord, I have friendship. And that's the same battle we have with God. Do you wonder why sometimes for certain things you go around in circles all the time? Because you are communicating on another level, but that particular thing, this is what God actually is saying to you, but there's a misinterpretation. And God cannot move you from that position. He couldn't move Peter until Peter understood. Later Peter got, oh, okay Lord, this is the love you're speaking about. Yes, no, I love you. Same with us. Now that's just one example. And this is for the topic of love. But for those of you who are interested, in terms of the Bible and the study of the Bible, there's a lot of English words that has several Greek meanings. That is why you have to, at the point in time, you have to delve into this. If you're really interested in God's word, go and do the research and find out what is the Greek word for this. Don't just take it on the English language. So let's get into it. Are you ready? So we're going to get into the eros or the erotic love. So that's where you get there. That's where the English word erotic comes from. It's from the Greek word eros. So usually... The description of erotic love is it is so passionate and overwhelming that the Greeks often thought it would cause someone to lose control of their words and their actions. Doesn't that sound familiar? In movies that you see, where people do things, they say, oh, I'm so in love. And they do crazy things. It's eros. But that's the only definition that you see in Hollywood movies. Is that crazy, oh, I'm crazy for you. You say that sometimes. I'm crazy for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's needed. But that's just one part of love. That's just the one leg that you're focusing on. What about the others? Today, if the Bible is interpreted in terms of the word eros, the closest word to eros today in today's terms would be lust. Lust is not a nice word because of society. But lust means there's a strong sexual desire for somebody. Now within marriage, lust is good. You need to have lust for your wife or for your husband. It's fine. But outside of it, it's not good. So Eros love also, it often deviates. Eros works closely together with another type of love, which is called ludus love. This is all Greek terms, ludus. And ludus is the playful emotional side. So these two always work together. When you have Eros, the erotic side, you're going to have ludus, which is the playful side. The emotional side. And again, you see the correlation between what Hollywood does, that emotional. Oh, I love him, but you don't even know him. But I love him, but you don't even know him. You're him from a, but I love him. Emotions. We think that's the only part to love. So if I must still break it down for you, it's the butterflies you feel in your stomach, Lushe. The Butterflies for the guy, you know. Butterflies, we've all been there. We've all been the butterflies. It's that quickened heartbeat. I'm gonna see her now. I'm gonna see him now. Oh, there he goes. There she goes. The heartbeat starts to race when you're gonna go talk to them. You no, know, that type of thing. That, that's all ludus and eros working together. It's anxiety you feel when you're waiting for your, your love interest to walk through the door. It's that, that that flirting or teasing and playful nature you have at the early stages of dating. That's eros and that's ludus working together. It has its place. But some people, unfortunately, Married, but they never graduate from there. They stay at that level. And they wonder, why is this marriage not fulfilling me anymore? No, you've grown up to that point. Because Eros and ludus gets you to a certain point in your relationship. Then after the serious business starts. Or the other scaffolding, the other legs puts into place. So the focus is usually when we develop, when Eros love is on the, on the scene, the focus is usually more on fun rather than on building the relationship. It's more on fun. I'm not, one, I'm not thinking about how many children. How of that. No, this is just fun. I just want to have fun. You know, we're together and all of these things. I'm not thinking about anything. There's no consequences, nothing. Now you see the danger of consistently thinking that way? And we see the danger in society of constantly thinking that way, of only having that definition at heart. So Eros love and its variation Is the world's only definition. Eros love can have a very dangerous effect if it's not handled properly. If you just have Eros love in isolation, it's dangerous. It's like a ticking time bomb that is waiting to destroy your life. Some people have given completely up on love, on the concept of love, just because they only handle Eros love. And and they're looking at Eros, and this is the only form of love that they've ever encountered. Nobody has given them the other deeper levels. Only Eros and they think, no, but this, I'd rather be single. It's fine. I'd rather be happy with myself. But not knowing that that's just one leg of love. And our poor young people, they are so conditioned with the songs, with the media, that that's the only thing they look for. Someone who makes me feel good. Somebody I can just hold, I just want to hold somebody, I just want that that physical contact. And today's youngsters, that's the only thing they want. They can tell me what they want to. No youngsters dating, oh, because I see a potential marriage part. No, 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 don't talk nonsense. If you want to be honest, let's be honest. Why you want to go into the relationship? And why? Because it's conditioned in your mind. Not blaming you. I'm telling you that's why you think the way you think. But you need to know that thinking that way is going to get you into trouble. You are going to break your heart. Because you might have pure intentions. But the other brother or the other sister, you have no idea what's going on there. And that's often how we end up with broken hearts. And it seems like it's a marriage seminar, a dating seminar, but it's not. And the thing that happens after that is, after your fourth fifth breakdown or breakup, you have so many walls that's built up that when Mr. Right or Mrs. Right comes, you don't recognize them because you're viewing that person through the eyes of all the other's mistakes. That person who is your soulmate must now make up for all the other wrongs just because you have placed yourself in that position. And that is why that you will never find dating in the Bible. Never, ever, ever. It's not, it's not found anywhere. Courtship, yes. Those of you who are confused, the difference between courtship and dating, courtship is we are going to get married. There's no two ways about this. We are going to get married. And now I'm just getting to know you because we're going to get married. There's no ifs or buts, we are going to get married. That's courtship. And why am I telling you this? Because there's a reason, like I told you, why God has strategically called his relationship with you is clustered as marriage, he's clustered as bride and bridegroom. This is God. Look how creative he is. he could have used any term. Why the term of marriage? And if you can understand. The natural dangers and the natural way in terms of marriage and relationships it makes your relationship with God much more easier. A lot of us are struggling. We go to Bible seminars and all of these things. But the problem is, is that we don't understand the correct natural concept. What is the Bible? Is the Bible full of foreign things? You don't know what's going on. No, no. The Bible uses concepts that we experience today. And if you don't know how to interpret it on a natural level, you can forget about the spiritual side. If I engage relationships, rather Mark, incorrectly in the natural, I'm going to mess up my relationship with God because that's where I get the way I'm supposed to do things. That's how, that's how I deal with God. Some of you struggle with the concept of God, your father, because you, 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 in your natural father there was issues there, now you struggle to relate. you see what I'm trying to get to? That is why you have to get the natural side, the earthly side, you have to get it right here. Then you transition. You need to understand the natural before you can engage with the spiritual. We have too many people that fills their mind with theology. Theology is the spiritual nourishment. But their theology contradicts what they do naturally on earth. When they step out of the doors of the church or out of the seminar or when they put God TV off and they go out, what they've learned there is not what they're doing out here on the natural. And they wonder, why is my walk with God not working? Because there's a contradiction. There's a contradiction. That is why this is such a crucial topic. Yes, it's basic. Love is basic. But is it really? Is it really basic? Bringing you back to the foundation of this whole message is that no eye is seen, no ear has heard, no mind can understand what God has in store for those who love Him. Such a powerful scripture, but the foundation of that is, you need to love me, man. Heaven is not a free for all. Where I can play games and expect God to show up, and when He doesn't, I have an act. No, no, no. You want, oh, I know, I see, you No, know, you, you want that type of influence in your life. What is, the, what is the prerequisite? You need to love me. And why is God so stern on that? Because you can't serve two masters. What does the Bible say? You either love the one or you hate the other. So God instinctively knows that if I cannot give you anything because if you don't love me, you love somebody. And if it's not me, you can't come and look for benefits from me. That's, what we, that's the side of God we don't want to understand. I'm going to put it that way. We don't want to understand. No, no, pastor, tell me about the God. No, this God always loves The God of love. Yes, God of love. All of us have had parents here. And when you do something wrong, you get a hiding. But do you say your parents don't love you now? That hiding, you say? <laughs> is a part of the love. You get the hiding because of the love. God even says, in, his, in the Bible, God says, He disciplined those He loves. It's an aspect of love. So we have two examples of eros. I'm going to use the Old Testament. Two examples The first one is Samson, our dear brother Samson. He had an issue with Eros love. He interpreted love towards women through Eros. There was no other. He didn't touch for No, I'm not interested in friendship. I want to go straight for the erotic stuff. That is how I evaluate. That is, he was constantly, if I can use a term, he was constantly on a hunt for a female. The Bible so explicitly says here, Uh, don't go there but in judges 16 verse 1 and in judges 15 he was constantly found in the presence of prostitutes he found himself there constantly because the brother was busy with lustful things that was his issue he didn't know how to curb the eros love he didn't know the place of eros love i'm building a picture and you know me Eventually, I'm building a solid natural foundation, but I'm going to switch over to God eventually to show you how this influences your relationship with God. Samson's downfall was because he looked upon Delilah and he fell in love with Delilah, but he didn't know Delilah. So how can you say you love her, but you don't know her? You're just looking at her. It sounds very... I'm sure Hollywood got the definition of love by reading Judges. But they just stopped the Judges. Oh, this is how Samson did it. So he looked to that love. But look at where got Samson. He was supposed to be one of the Judges in that time. God was supposed to use him in a certain way. God still did, but not to the extent I believe that God wanted to. Samson's father warned him, Stay away from those women. But he couldn't. And that's the danger if you don't curb. Eros love. Eros love is the type of love that you need to have. It's not to sound weird. You need to have this on a leash. If you don't have it on a leash, it's going to mess you up. Even in your spiritual walk? Yes, even in your spiritual walk. So we know what happened because he thought he loved her. This woman was actually a spy. But he thought he loved her. You see, Eros love, the place of Eros love, the good thing about Eros love is it only sees the positive. Somebody who's in love, Oh, I love it. You don't see the negative. Maybe a couple of months down. Now you see, Why didn't I see that? When was that there? No, no, it's always been there. You were in love. So you didn't see that person's stretch. You didn't take note of that. Because eros is that way. It's designed in that way. It overlooks certain things. That is why God can send his only son to die for you, an imperfect person, because at that moment is operating out of eros. He's overlooking your faults. He's overlooking your failures and he's loving you anyway. Yes, I know about Pastor John's shortcomings, but I still love him. I know sister, I know, I know the struggles, I know, but I still love Eros. That's what's happening with Eros. But it has its place. But if you don't put it on a leash, it messes you up. And this is what is not taught in church. I don't know if anybody has been taught this. No, it's not. We scheme over. We, we delve deep, Brother Guillaume, when it comes to the Lord's blessing and when I must get my stuff. We delve deep into that. We swim. But when it comes to the love of God, shoot, quickly. Quickly. Just a quick thing. Quick thing. Maybe it's just mentions, oh, by the way. And we move on to the blessings. No, no, no. no. Not realizing that the blessings is connected to that. You can't speak about the blessings, but not touch on that. It makes no sense. The next person is David. We know what happened with David and Bathsheba. Eros is stimulated by the senses of what you see. David saw her from a distance, the Bible said. And we all know what happened. The rest is history. But it was that erotic love that David, and I love the fact that it happened, because David was a great man. Even though that happened, he was still a great man he did that so that shows me that even as a great man or woman of god if you don't know how to control eros it's gonna get you in trouble you can have how deep a relationship this is the man after god's own heart we're speaking about but look at what he caught on because he didn't maintain that so the way we use this when it comes to friendships and i'm dealing with the natural first when it comes to the friendships we get into a point, I'm talking natural friendships here. So you befriend somebody and eventually there's certain things you like about the person but now the mistake that we make is in that process of getting you see, Eros is activated at strategic moments. It's activated at strategic moments. But what we don't do is when it's activated and it's done its job we don't put it back down again. We leave it there. And it grows. And it grows. And before you know it, that defines your relationship. So if there's no physical aspect in my relationship, I interpret that as she doesn't love me. He doesn't love me. Really? That's not God's definition of it. But that's the danger that we make in our natural relationships. So what it does is, when you allow Eros free reign, it's like getting a new puppy. And you have a nice house that's open and proper. And you bring a puppy which is about this size, and you just you take the leash off and you just let it and you just move away. And you're surprised when you open the door. Broke the couch, he's messed all over. No, 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 that's that's eros if you don't if you don't watch Eros carefully. That's what happens. But we don't do this with our friendships. We don't do this. We just allow Eros to do whatever. It's free reign. And the reason why it's so easy, because Eros stimulates the emotional side of our life. Eros makes you feel good emotionally. But we make the mistake of thinking that the emotion is there forever. We know it's not, but we love as if it's going to be there forever. And it becomes like a drug, my next fix. I need to get that out of that relationship. I like the way that person makes me feel. And then it doesn't become about the relationship anymore. It becomes about you and how that person makes you feel. It becomes selfish. Yes, we're in a relationship, but I'm actually just with you because of the way you make me feel. That is selfish. If That's your only reason. So the way you test that, so if this person does something that rubs you up the wrong way, You abandon the whole thing. That's how you test. That's how you know what was the basis of this relationship. Was it just my own feeling? Because if it wasn't, you'll swing back again. You'll be like a boomerang. For those of us who are married, we know. You can have an argument now. Some of you might have had an argument in the car. But, is the, the D word mentioned? No. Divorce? No, it's not. Because you know. Because your love is not based on what the person can give you. That's your that is the person you love. Love knows no boundaries. But Eros, it's all about me. It's quiet in your UK. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so Eros introduces the intimacy in marriage. I have to use the word. Marriage. Eros introduces, it takes the Two partners, and it brings them together in a moment of intimacy. That was Eros does. But now when you do it outside of marriage, the danger is is when you operate like that, You, without you knowing, you upgrade the relationship to the expectation of marriage, but you don't want marriage. If you look at, let me use dating. So dating is, if we're dating, I belong to you belong to me. You can't look at anybody else. Same in marriage. Same in marriage. Dating? Your whole life must be, we must be together. We must move in one direction. Dating. But you're only dating. Marriage? is exactly the same thing. Can you tell the difference between somebody that's dating and married in the mall nowadays? No. Impossible. You must have a gift from the Lord to tell that. Because they look the same. You can't tell the difference. That's dating. But now you operate on that level of expectancy and the thing that solidifies marriage that gives eros place is that marriage is is a platform of permanency. You're building on something. It's a foundation. Dating, there's no foundation. But yet you're behaving as if there's permanency. Do you see the dilemma? So we are dating, but You are exclusively mine. I'm exclusively yours. But there's no permanency. It doesn't make sense. So I, we date for five or ten years. We date for ten years. And there are people, we date for ten years. Only to find out I don't want to be with you. So you wasted ten years of my life? I was grooming myself to do what you do. Spending all my time with you. Only to break up at the end. That's what dating does. And when you think of it in that way, it makes absolutely no sense. Whereas marriage, once you're married according to God, what God has brought together, no man must take apart. So that is a firm foundation. So because we're going nowhere, brother Mark, and I pick up an issue with my wife, because we're going nowhere, because this is a union under God, we must make this work. There's no choice, brother Guillaume. Some of us, we might pray to the Lord. Lord, why did you give it to me? God will just send you back. There you go. You are married. Make it work. With dating, mm -mm, when we duck with one another, we duck and we move on. But that's the danger. There's safety in the marriage. Dating, there's nothing. There's no safety. It's a free for all. And what happens in dating because of eros? once i'm done using you and you done using me we just move on and then we move on to the next person as our needs evolve as we grow in age our needs evolve so i'll look for somebody that can supply that need up until that period of my age is done and then i'll let you go it's a very selfish concept but it's what we've embraced even in the church and again i'm not saying this to blame anybody it's what has been it's because of the way the world has conditioned us. And nobody's saying a single thing. Nobody's saying anything. It's just okay. It's the norm. But if you pursue a relationship with God, and again this is how we come to God. We we actually <laughs> we don't love God, man. We're dating him. It's not a marriage. Jesus isn't my 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 bridegroom. We're just dating. We're dating. So when I'm uh, when, I, when, when, when God doesn't give me what I, what I want, brother, then I move. I don't have time for this. I move on. I move on to something else. I can go to my friends. I can do other things that will satisfy that will pleasure me. I can do other stuff. If you don't want to come through God, it's very similar to dating. You see, when you don't understand the concept in the natural, it's going to affect you in the spiritual. It's going to. So you need to get the natural life. This is why when you are in a relationship with God, your life must change. Because in order for me to get what I need to get to, or get to a place with God, I need to first get the natural light, fix it, and then attain the spiritual blessing, but then my life is fixed. So somebody who's with the Lord, but they don't change, you're not getting it. You're wanting to hold on to the natural and you're wanting to gain the spiritual. But it doesn't work that way. It's like we end up in a position where with the whole dating thing now and we do the same with the Lord. It's almost like, can you imagine somebody putting on the doctor's coat? They're in the hospital. They're putting on the doctor's coat but they're not a doctor. And they're pretending. Now with dating it's the same thing. You're in a relationship but you, your, your appearance of the relationship is a marriage appearance, but you, you're not married. Now the same with that person who's pretending to be a doctor, you can only pretend up until a point. And that point is where you have to do something. So if I'm not a doctor, I can pretend, I can walk around, and all, until somebody asks me to do something that I cannot do. Ooh, I'm not a doctor. I can't, or we make up excuses or things. Same within our dating relationship. So we walk around with a, I look married, you know, doing all the things the married people do, I look married, up until the point where something difficult comes. Now when the marriage is supposed to give me the foundation to fix it, because I was pretending, I cannot fix it. Because I was just pretending. And this is what people don't understand. When you pursue a relationship without the commitment. I wish there was more ladies here today. Ones that, that, that's, that's not married Because a lot of times, as ladies, you give yourself over to somebody without the commitment, but you give them everything. You put your life on pause without a ring on your finger. If I can put it that way. Only for that person to break your heart and you wasted so much time. But the same with guys. Things are starting to change. The ladies are starting to behave like the men used to behave. The ladies are on the hunt nowadays. That's the change in society. It's a crazy game out there but we do the same with God. We do the pretend thing. I love you, Lord. We sing the songs, but I'm actually, (laughs) I'm pretending. And when it comes to the time where my love relationship with you is supposed to actually sustain me now, because I was pretending, I just fall and crumble because it was just a pretense. The Bible puts it so nicely. We have a form of godliness, but we don't have the power because if I have a relationship with God, according to the, Bible, it says all things are possible. According to the Bible, it speaks of victory. So if I'm walking in defeat, there's nothing wrong with the Bible. It means I've been pretending all the time. Now when I need to go in cashing on my marriage relationship, the things that I have access to when I go in cashing, I don't have access. It's access denied because I'm pretending. I look like I'm in a love relationship, but I'm just dating the Lord. It's a casual fling. That I'm having with him. I'm doing the Christian thing. Because I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to do these things. That gives me this appearance. But if I'm really honest with myself. I really am not in love with God. Again. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm saying this so that you can make a choice. Remember in the book of Revelation. You're either hot or you're cold. That's what it speaks about. You either love me or you don't. But in the Lord says. I wish you would choose man. Because if you, if you don't love me, then go away from me so you can see what you have in store for you in the world with the hope that you might see the world has nothing for you. And while there's still time, you can run back to me. But if you're pretending, and I come now and you're pretending, I cannot let you in under the pretense. It has to be a genuine love for me. Because anybody, it's like the Bible says, you know, you're not going to get in through the back door. You're only coming through one way. That's Jesus. One way. No other way. This is good this morning. Even through the silence. But I know it's good. Hallelujah. So you need to be consistent with God. Consistency with marriage is very crucial. There's times where I wasn't consistent. I did things for the season. But then I didn't. And I saw the repercussions. And I had to change. The same I'm sure with you. That's how you grow in the relationship. You don't abandon it in natural marriage. You just grow with it. You evolve with it until you become victorious as a couple. The same with God. There's certain consistencies that you need to have as a believer that will show God, it will prove to Him that you love Him. There's certain consistencies that He looks out for. He looks out for these things. The Bible says my eyes are Going to and fro, I'm looking, I'm looking. Why do you think the Lord could easily say in the book of Job, Ah, Satan, you've been on the earth. Have you seen my servant Job? Why? Because he's watching. He's taking notes. Oh, you're doing this? Oh, I love that. He knows exactly. You must be consistent, beloved. And this is where when you become a, a Christian... And you, let's say if even you, you just gave your heart to the Lord today. Now those of you who know, when you give your heart to the Lord on that day, and sometimes for that whole month, you are fanatical, man. You want to go out there, and you want to go and save the whole world. You are so driven. It's actually contagious. But now, if you just operate like that, without any boundaries, you can think that, And you get some of these believers, they're so fanatical, but they don't benefit the kingdom. They have the appearance of, I'm on fire for God. But it's just eros. But you're not doing anything for the Lord. Not doing anything beneficial, that to put a smile on His face. You're just fanatic. I'm just fanatical. And that's what happens when we stay in our Christian relationship with the Lord, when we stay on the eros level. Eros is just the introduction. The Eros gives you a little bit of a taste of what your relationship with God can be like. But you can't just stay on Eros because Eros is purely emotional. Eros craves the physical element of your relationship with God. So, uh, you know, I, I, I need to feel God. I need to see Him at work. Then it validates. Then I feel good about myself. But when you start to grow in the Lord, you start to realize, I don't even, even if I don't see you here, Lord, I know you here. Even if I don't feel you during the service, I know you are here. That's when you mature. But somebody that's in Eros love, they will start to panic. You know? Brother Mark, they prayed for me and I didn't fall over. I don't know if I'm a backslider so now. I, I, I didn't even shake. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I don't, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. Nothing to do with it because you're busy with Eros. But once you mature, then you will realize and go into a deeper relationship. This is why the Bible says that. You know, there's a portion where Paul speaks and he says to the church, you are still on milk. You should have been on solid food by now. What is solid food in terms of breaking it down to your relationship? It's where you pass the, you're just engaging with the Lord to get an emotional feeling, but now you start to engage with Him. So, you know how you know this? Even when I don't need anything, I still engage Him that's how you know you've matured but if you're only with the lord or seek god when you need something you're still on eros you're still on dating the two of you are still dating you're still courting you're not married yet you're still courting with the lord but when you start to seek him why do you want me my child i just want the beauty because the Lord, i don't want anything i don't care about my my, my troubles when you're praying, life changes to a request line then it changes from that To something where you're just speaking to God. You know you've you've matured. But if you just come to God and you just give the Lord a whole long request. And as soon as you're done with the request, Thank you, bye-bye. No, that's Lord Eros. But you need to realize there's a deeper side to God. There's another side to Him. But you have to graduate from the Eros love. You have to graduate from dating God to actually being in marriage with Him. Hallelujah. What is church? What we're having now? You know that when you used to court, I don't know, I'm not going to use the D word for dating. When you courted, there used to be times where you used to go out with friends. It's a date night, but you're with other friends, with other couples. This is what church is like. It's a date night. But I'm in a relationship with my Jesus. But we're all together. And we're just having fun. That's what church is about. This is the reason why church is important, because you will know that even though you are married, you can't be married in isolation. After a while, something's gonna, you can feel something's missing. Then you're going to start to argue for no reason. You're going to be irritated. Why? Because you're just in the, in the house. Some of you experienced it during lockdown. Why are we so irritable? What, what is going on here? There's nothing there, but we want to find... Why? No, because you haven't been out to somebody. You haven't been out with other people. You have to even engage with other people. This is what church is about. That's why as a believer you cannot grow in isolation. Consistency with this day, be it the Sunday, be it whatever day, you have to be consistent. A lot of people are falling along the wayside where they walk with the Lord because they take church, the the, the day when they go to church, they take it as an optional day. When I feel like it, you will find me there. If I don't feel like it, you're not going to. And what that does is, because you're not around a whole lot of people. The Bible says, when, uh, you know, when you're in a, in a council of wise people, that is good. Now, you, the, the danger of that is when you're not consistent in your church going, is that you eventually get to a point where you think you're okay with God. But you only think you're okay because you're on your level. Obviously, you're going to think the best of yourself. You're going to want to believe that you're okay with the Lord. But the way you find out is when you spend time with other people, so, I've been doing this particular thing in my walk with the Lord for ages. Now, I come to church and me and Brother Mark are having a conversation and we speak about the very topic. And he sort of enlightens me, but this is how I do it. And then I realize it leaves me, when, I, when we move away, it leaves me with the thought maybe I'm not doing the right thing. I thought it was correct, but it's not. Where do you find that? You only find it here. You don't find it anywhere else. You only find it here. That is why you cannot neglect the gathering of the saints. As important as your natural date night is, when you are busy courting or dating, it's important for you. That is how you need to view this day. I need to be there. I need to be there. Lord, let's go. We need to go. I need to be there. Because it sustains your walk with God. There's certain things that's developed here, and there's certain things that's developed just between you and the Lord. Sometimes... You have blinders on, you can't see the things you're missing in your relationship with God, but now God places other people in your life so you can see that's look how they succeeding. Do this does the circumstance sounds familiar? What did they do? Sometimes we don't listen. He has to show us through other people. The reason why the marriage is so important, because in terms of the eros love, because the eros love it enforces the marital bond. It enforces it. It, it. it screams loud to, you know, in on the natural, it screams loud to the partner, that I am yours and you are mine. That is the erotic side of the love. So the same with the Lord. When you in that particular relationship with God, it communicates to God that I am yours and you are mine. We are exclusive. I'm not going anywhere, Lord. I'm not worthy because of what I can get out of you, I'm with you because I'm with you because I love you. That is what Eros love does, it makes that introduction. So it communicates that you belong to me, I belong to you. Interestingly enough, and again, look at the natural, God says that in marriage, what I brought together, let no man take apart. But in the same Bible, when you read The only legal right to divorce somebody God gives you is when they are unfaithful. Have you ever thought of that? God says, God says, what God has brought together, let no man take apart. But God gives me the right in the natural, when somebody is adultery or unfaithful, that then you can divorce them. So the mistake we make is that we think that only applies here. Do you see now why the lukewarmness God spews you out of His mouth? I love you. I love all. The, I can love you beyond yourself. But when you are adulterous, I spew you out of my mouth. Then I don't play. Because that's the standard that I have instituted in the natural. It's the same standard that I have in the spiritual. Remember that is not a law that's been governed here by South Africa or the countries that when you adul- commit adultery, now I can divorce you. I can take it. No, no. That's in the Bible. That's the only. Gap, if I can say, that God gives, where you can actually divorce somebody. What is he communicating there? I don't put up with unfaithfulness. If you say you love me, you love me. Show me that you love me. Don't say on the one side that you love me, but then you go and flirt with the world on the other side. But yet you expect the benefits from me when you need me, but once you get it, you go back to the world and you go enjoy yourself there. That is adultery. And a lot of us, we don't realize that that's not right. Because of what's been communicated from pulpits is that the grace word, that's an easy card. It's like a joker card that I can just pick out and I can use it wherever. Now God is gracious with you up to a point. But you better believe that you, if you live an adulterous Christian life, you are not getting into heaven you are going to hear the words, depart from me, I do not know you. People who have gone through uh, a a relationship where there's been adultery, they don't want to know the person anymore. I want nothing to do with you. So the same with the natural response, that is the same with the Lord. He loves you, but you are adulterous. You committed adultery and you did it consistently. And the thing that I believe that, it, that really gets under the Lord's skin is that we do it knowingly. I know that my relationship with Him is not right. I know that I am not. I don't actually love Him. I just want my stuff. We knowingly do this, but we do this with such arrogance that we still demand the benefits of the relationship of marriage. But we do our own thing. Now if it's not accepted, if you don't, if you don't put up with that, let me put it this way, If you won't put up with that in a natural relationship, why would you believe that God would put up with that when He's the one who instituted the principle of marriage? It's very strange. And the goal of today is that we realize that we need to start to pinpoint where am I operating out of Eros and if I've been doing this for years now, I need to graduate. I need to start exploring the other pillars of my love towards God. I can't just stay on a happy-go-lucky feeling. I just, I'm just, i just pursuing a feeling all the time with my relationship with God. Your walk with the Lord will never survive that way. I'm sure you have discovered, for those of you, if that's how you define your relationship, I'm sure you discovered that you grow up unto a point and then you abandon your relationship. You're still in church. But you abandon your relationship with God because you're wanting to operate and sustain it under Eros. Remember, Eros brings you up to a point, brings you up to the nice point, and then it's a point where you have to jump in. Boop. Jump in. Now I'm in it. And I'm going nowhere, Lord. That's what Eros is designed for. But there's those that's doing this, they're doing this. I want to stay on this because the feeling is nice and you know, all of those things. But you need to graduate from there. So if you have in the natural if you have eros love for someone outside of the marriage, it starts to break down the structure of your marriage. It starts to erode the strength of your marriage. If you, are, if you, if you operate in adultery, it breaks down. Eventually the marriage cannot survive. Yes, you, may not, you might not have been caught in the natural relationship. You might not have been caught, but it still affects your relationship. That's what people don't realize. Even though my wife or my husband has not caught me, there's still, you can see, you can plot it on a graph, how your relationship is changing. And that's even before you get caught, before the stuff really gets out of hand. The way you speak, the way you respect, it will all start to change. Same with God. You consistently behave in that way, it eventually changes your relationship with God. And then you know what happens? When you get not only to this church or other churches that speaks the truth about your love relationship with God, you reject it outrightly because you've been living contrary to that all the time. And you reject it. No, 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 that, that, that's not for me. That's a bit That That's not for me. I'm okay where I'm at. But you don't realize where you're at. It's not growing. It's not beneficial at all. So Eros love is the strengthening pillar for your marriage. But Eros love is not the only pillar in the marriage. Now, I have this here today, and again, it's, it's, it's really it's weird how God works. I bought that before I named the topic. Before I named the topic. I had my notes changed, I, I prepared in the week, and then I sit down and I put everything in order, all my thoughts. And I bought that, and then I prepared it, and then I realized I'm going to use it. So I didn't buy this with the, with the intention of using it. But it's going to be used today. I haven't used props in a while. In a while. So I want to show you what the way Eros is supposed to be working. And I'm going to gain, because I can only use that concept, is the concept of marriage. Now you need to understand that Eros is the fire of the relationship. It's the fire. But the fire... I'm going to light this now. And I'm going to light this now and I'm not going to be worried about the math or anything. Why is that? The fire is contained within this. This, just light it quickly. That is Eros. This is marriage. If I do the same experiment on here The Eros love is good. I didn't mean to smoke like this. But anyway, the Eros love is good. But if I don't have it within the confines of the marriage, it destroys everything around me. The same with your relationship with God. If you light the Eros flame with the Lord, but you don't have the scaffolding and the support of the marriage relationship with Him, it causes the exact opposite of what your relationship with him, that you're supposed to get out of it, that you get the exact opposite. Now I want to take this opportunity for those who are not married. This is what your relationship looks like within the confines of the marriage. It can burn as bright, but you're not going to harm anything around it. But if you do it outside of the confines of marriage, it only brings harm. It's only a matter of time before that flame begins to light and ignite something that is never meant to ignite. And then it causes nonsense. So this is what I'll, we're supposed to be hot for the Lord. So in order for us to be hot and not lukewarm, we need to be hot, you require eros. But you need to know how to handle eros. Fire is good. Me, my wife and myself, we settled past 12 last night around... The Eros fire. <laughs> and it was so nice. It's good. We've made a braai, all of that stuff. It's beneficial. But I need to know how to handle it. I need to respect the flames of Eros. If I don't respect it, the moment I handle this with neglect, something bad is going to happen. Something bad is going to happen. Something in my life is going to get burnt down. Do you understand? I hope this is good. This is being burnt into your, into, your, into your mind. Is that I need to respect the side of eros. The erotic side. The, the side where I'm, I'm head over heels with the Lord. But I need to know how to contain I need to do it within the confines of my marriage relationship with God. That's the only time it's going to work. God is the master in closing. God is the master designer of love. God designed eros. Man did not design eros. The Greeks did not design eros. God designed eros. So love should be lived out in accordance to the will of the one who designed it. So I should not dictate. I should not dictate how I am supposed to Conduct myself within Eros. I do not define the parameters. I go to the author. And I go and find out. That thing that you created. How is it supposed to be used? It's like buying something brother Mark at the shop. Some product at Very Mark that comes with instructions. And I don't look at the instructions. And I use it any old way. And when it breaks I blame the manufacturer. Oh that's a bad product. Terrible. No, no, no. Did you read the instructions? Or did you look at it up and down and you think you know how to use it? You think you know. No, no, no. Same with this. We think God is a concept that we can understand with our carnal minds just by looking at Him. Do you know God? He even says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. But yet you have the arrogance to think, you can just come to me without even engaging with me, asking me, and you're going to get it right. No, 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 you don't know who I am. You have no idea who I am. Eros gives off an aroma. The Lord's sitting in heaven and he wants to smell that sweet smelling fragrance. What is it? It's Eros. So he wants, to, he wants you to engage with the eros love. Or that, you know, head over heels love. He wants you to engage with it, but you need to know the place of it. The other extreme is, you're so into the word, you're so into the, the theology, that you're not head over heels. That's where some believers are. They're all about the content of the Christian faith, but they're not in love with God. They're not in love with the very person that they're studying. They're not in love with Him. I know about Him. I know about Him. Like God, almost as if God is a product that I'm studying, man. He's a product that I'm studying and I'm getting to know the product. No, no, no. He's a real person. Intimacy is achieved when all the other facets of love completes the relationship. So if this one pillar represents Eros, you achieve intimacy when you fulfill the phileo, the agape, the storge. When you have all of that, now your erotic side it breeds intimacy. In the natural, if you don't have these pillars within your relationship, your natural relationship, then all that eros becomes is lust. That's all that it becomes. I'm in a relationship, I have these feelings, but it's just lustful feelings. But the moment you start to put the other pillars in your natural relationship, now we have intimacy. There's a difference between intimacy and just lust. The world classes us and says, no, it's intimacy. No, but all that the world is giving you is lust. It's just lust. If you listen to the songs, the rap songs and all, it's just about, oh, I don't even want to, don't even listen to it. Don't even do that. It's just it's terrible. The lyrics and all, it's just about lust. But the way it's communicated, it communicates to the generation. That is intimacy. When we're busy with that act, That physical act, that's intimacy, but it's lust. All that we're doing is we're just using one another for pleasure. And that's not what God is about. Remember, this is a partnership. God's not using you for His pleasure and you using Him. It's a partnership. The two of you are working together. He's given you a particular role that you need to fulfill in this big plan of His. In this relationship of the two of you. But the moment we behave as if we are just using God, that's when we miss our relationship with Him completely. Last two statements, and I'm going to close, is that to love according to God's design is to do His will. When you love according to His design of love, that's when you do His will. Now I'm doing His will. You can do so many things that we think is not associated with our work with God. For instance, you can be at your job But if you do that in the way God wants, if you do, if you operate out of love in your, in your career, you're doing His will. If you operate out of love when you are standing in the line at spa, you are doing His will. He picks that aroma up. Oh, yeah. They're doing, somebody's doing my will. Somebody's doing it because it gives off a certain scent because it's unique. He created it. But you can do all sorts of things as the Bible says. All sorts of things. But if you don't do it in accordance to my love for the way I've designed it to be, it means nothing. It means absolute. You can, you can class it as love, but it's nothing. And the last one, to do His will is the evidence to God of your love for Him. As simple as that. You want to love God? Really? Genuinely? When you do His will, that communicates loudly. Lord, I love you. He's not listening to the voice. Do you know that? He hears it. The voice brings your, brings his attention to you. Oh, but the moksha, she said he loved me. Where is it? Oh, there's a... Okay. That's what happens. When you sing here, he doesn't respond to your voice. Response to the actions that comes with the words that you say. That's what makes him excited. Or did you think that God is excited with somebody that's pretending? As always, I wish that there was a a candy-coated version of this. But there's not. If you read your Bible properly, it's not. God has a standard. Heaven has a standard. Your life must also Have a standard And it's exciting When you get into a love relationship with God And you see the manifestation Of the marriage in your life When you are in a relationship People need to see The goodness of your husband in your life If you are the man They must see They must In other words And people always joke Because I'm picking up weight And what my response is my wife is taking care of me. So it's manifesting over here, but it's an indication to the world, no, your wife is not letting us down. She's looking after you, man. So now saying like I'm expanding here, you need to grow in the Lord. Your growth in the Lord is an indication that God is taking care of you. And if God is taking care of you, it means you are in His world.